0: Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this evening, the gospel reading we heard a few moments ago, Matthew chapter 5, verses 20 through 26, especially verse 20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, keeping score, keeping score, it's a vital part of our life, right? We've learned it from little on, even the the earliest games that we play. You have to keep score, right? Otherwise, how do you know who wins and who loses it was 45 years ago this week when our Legion baseball team played in the state tournament. When all the dust had settled, we were the 1974 Class B Big Midget, we can't say that anymore, junior state champion. How do you know that we won? We kept score in the games. We scored more runs than the other team. You keep track of the score, winners and losers. Just down the street, tonight at Sherman Field, my great nephew, Ben, is playing for the class A state champion junior baseball tournament. Will they win? I don't know. When church is over, I'll make a phone call and, are you ready? Check the score. That's how you determine a winner and a loser. We keep score all the time, don't we? Oh, maybe we don't use that phrase, keeping score. But we keep records, we know amounts. When you are driving down the street, in a sense, you keep score. You keep track of how fast you're going. And the police officer sitting at the stoplight might just be keeping score on you when you come by. Whatever the score is determines If you're a winner or a loser, you go to school, you get a grade, the higher the score, the better the grade, the lower the score, you get it, this is how life works, we keep score. The better the score, whether it's higher or lower, depends on whether you're playing baseball or golf, but the better the score, the better the reward, life is like this. You go to work. You are offered an amount of money per hour, per week, per day, per year. You want to raise. Why? Because you're keeping score. You want a little bit more now than you had before. When it's time to pay taxes, the government keeps score. They keep track of how much you make. And you send in some or more than some we keep score it's part of life we keep score in our relationships as well don't we we're kind of like Santa Claus that way we keep score on who's been naughty or nice to us we keep score with our spouses. We keep score with our kids or with our parents. We keep score with our neighbors. If the score doesn't seem very even, we do our best to even it up, don't we? We want to make them pay. Why? Why? because we keep score and we're really good at it to a fault. My friends, this whole keeping score business is a vital part of life, whether we like it or not. We have a big problem though. When we try to translate this keeping score life that we live onto God. You know what I mean. We think that God has a big scorecard or scorebook where he's keeping track of the good things we do and the bad things that we do. So, What do we try to do so that God will like us, God will love us? Well, we got to increase our score. We got to do more, do more good, be a better person, pay it forward. Hoping that the good will outweigh the bad in the grand scale of God's justice. We think that this is how God works, or maybe intellectually we know it isn't, but we still live, think, act, and move as if it is. We live our lives wanting to make sure that someone else notices, but certain that God is noticing whenever we do something nice, good, holy, and pious. There are many religions throughout the world that are built on this notion of keeping score. We hear it sometimes too, don't we, when a loved one dies? Oh, they were such a good person. If anybody's going to make it to heaven, it'll be Aunt Bertha, it'll be Cousin Fred. Oh, they were so good. We know the problem here though, don't we? This may be a pious wish or it may be a foolish notion of transferring how so much of life works onto God's justice system. But God's word is clear. God does not keep score the same way we do. God says, if you break one sin, you've broken them all. Not three strikes and you're out. One strike and you're out. If we focus on that, we're not even going to suit up and play the game, are we? No, because we're all out already. All mankind fell in Adam's fall. We just sang that hymn. One common sin infects us all. We are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned in thought, word, and deed. We want to keep score... And yet we hope and pray that God doesn't keep score. God says, if you want to get to heaven by keeping score, here's how it works. I tell you, unless your righteousness, your holiness, your perfection, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. We're used to talking about the scribes and the Pharisees in a negative way, aren't we? But the scribes and the Pharisees were the most respected, most looked up to people at that time and in that culture. They were considered the holiest of the holy. They built their lives on being good and right and holy and pious. And Jesus says, pick out the holiest, best person in the whole world. Aunt Bertha, Uncle Fred. Unless your righteousness is better than theirs, you're out of here. Our Old Testament reading reminds us Of the mirror of the law. We heard those ten commandments. Those ten commandments that show us our sin. That show us how far we have fallen short of the glory of God. They hurt. But we want to keep score. We don't want to look at all the commandments. We'll try to pick one out that we're really, really good at, right? Certainly there's one of those ten that that we haven't committed... You shall not murder. You know, I would bet that outside of military service, there is no one gathered right here this evening that has, with a gun, with a knife, with poison, with a candlestick in the library, done any kind of physical murder to another human being. Finally, we're off the hook, right? Finally, we have one commandment that we haven't broken, right? Did you hear Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew 5, 20 to 26. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to the judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to the judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. You ever been angry with your neighbor? You ever insulted your neighbor? You ever said something bad to or about your neighbor? Well, of course you have. We all have. Jesus says it is not just the physical act of murder, but we sin in thought, in word, and in deed. There is no way we can get off the hook simply by keeping score. My friends, who could possibly? Have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. Who? Not you. Not me. Not Aunt Bertha or Uncle Fred either. My friends, a perfect God requires perfect. Obedience, perfect holiness, perfect righteousness to stand before his perfect judgment. And that's why he sent his perfect son. That's why God sent Jesus. The only one whose righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees and everybody else in the whole world. The second Adam came. He succeeded where Adam fell. Jesus placed himself under the harsh condemning law. Thought, word and deed. And he didn't sin. He didn't sin once. He fulfilled it perfectly. Not for himself, but for you and for me and for the life of the world. Our perfect, holy Jesus, who sinned never, nada, took your sin and mine, took all sin from all people for all time into himself and onto himself, and he died with it on Calvary's cross. Death could not hold the perfectly righteous Jesus. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And as we heard in our epistle reading for tonight, never to die again. You, by virtue of your baptism into Christ, have been baptized into his righteousness. Into his death. Into his resurrection. His righteousness is yours. His forgiveness is yours. His eternal life is yours. You might say that we have a cross-eyed God. As he looks at poor, miserable, unrighteous sinners like you and me. Through the cross of his son, Jesus Christ. And he looks at you and says, my son, my daughter... Not guilty. Innocent. Holy. Perfect. Free. My friends, the righteousness of God is a scary thought if it is something that we have to do Earn, achieve, or keep score about. But when we understand that the righteousness of God is Jesus, His life, death, and resurrection for us, it is music to our ears. It is the most joyful, peaceful comforting and encouraging and inspiring word that we can ever hear my friends with regard to your human relationships quit keeping score reconcile forgive love life's too short in the rest of the world well yeah you got to keep score got to earn a paycheck got to pay your taxes Don't go over the speed limit. And whenever you are reminded about all the times that we are required to keep score in life, give thanks that in God's perfect scorebook, you are marked forgiven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our scores in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.